Aparna Nancharla is someone who feels a lot of anxiety. I have uh, social anxiety, which is ironically one of the most relatable kinds. Um, it's a little weird. Sometimes mine will get so bad, I can't even talk to babies without getting self-conscious. Yeah, like the whole time I'm just like, oh, what if I'm not an interesting shape or color, you know? Aparna is a stand-up comic known for her existential and deadpan humor. In the last couple of years, she's appeared on the Comedy Central show Corporate and voiced a character on the Netflix show BoJack Horseman. She also has her own comedy album called Just Putting It Out There. And the reason I like her is because she doesn't shy away from talking about mental health, especially her own. Uh, Yeah, I've had depression for pretty much my whole life, and I've learned to manage it for the most part, but a lot of times I'll still feel sad for no reason. But then I'll remember the reasons, you know? (laughs) This actually makes a lot of sense. Aparna chooses to get vulnerable as a way to connect with her audience. And of course, now it's become part of how she makes money. I'm Rima Reis, and welcome to This is Uncomfortable, a podcast from Marketplace about life and how money messes with it. This week, I am delving into the topic of personal brands and what it's like to rely on the difficult or painful parts of yourself to create one. When I talked with Aparna, she told me she started really grappling with her depression in college. But it wasn't until just a few years ago that she decided to talk about it on stage. almost wrote about the depression out of resentment because I was like, well, nothing else is consuming my head, so I'm just going to write about the most on-the-nose thing. But then I talked about it on stage, and I think I wasn't really expecting uh, that eager a reception for it, or mm-hmm. I thought maybe it was just like a bummer to talk about. But I think people responded to it in a way that I wasn't expecting So I think it made me want to delve deeper into it. So she started writing more and more jokes about her mental health, performing them on stage and sharing them on Twitter. And today it's what a lot of media outlets approach and interview her about. Are you thinking like, okay, I want to figure out a way to talk about depression or is it just something that's um, naturally kind of You don't shy away from sadness, pain in in your own Talking about your own experiences with depression, anxiety. Uh, uh, Your personal history with mental illness and sort of how did it... Does it ever get, like, overwhelming to be doing comedy about depression and anxiety? A lot of comedians struggle with mental health and talk about it on stage. But for Aparna, it's kind of become her brand. Do you ever feel this tension of, like, wanting to be vulnerable about mental health, but maybe, like, also not wanting to be pigeonholed into that topic as a comedian? Yeah, I think I frequently feel that way. Like, the more I've talked about it, I think I now I'm kind of in this weird place where I'm like, have I inadvertently made it worse by making it, like, a part of my brand in a way Mm -hmm. or, like, something people associate with me? Like, have I now kind of given it real estate in my brain Mm -hmm. that wouldn't otherwise be so permanent? Hmm. Because I've almost like tied it to my identity or my yeah, worth or my yeah. yeah income in a way that I'm like, I don't know if that's healthy. Oh, that's such an interesting point. 
Well, like it all stems from this like idea that like if you think about something enough, then maybe like we actually feel it or like it becomes more real. Right. Or even, yeah, I think even the idea of capitalism where it's like we're all brands now and like mm-hmm. mental health is a brand now and that feels weird to me. Right. Well, because it's extended to like your Twitter presence now too and like... um or and maybe that's who you always were, but now it it feels like it's under this umbrella of like she is the comedian who talks about mental health. Yeah, and I mean the rewarding side of that is that so many people reach out to me and are like, "Thank you so much for talking about this," and I really this helped me through a rough patch. And obviously that part is so gratifying and humbling. But then I think the other side of it is just that you're yeah, like you're pigeonholed and you're kind of like it becomes almost flattened and one-dimensional where you're Mm. just this you're like the anxiety and depression comedian the fact that it's kind of like (laughs) a little bit more livable for me and I'm able to like profit off of it feels sometimes just not great but yeah I think it, it it has become a little commodified in a way that I don't feel good about When the things that make you, you, are the same things that make you money, it can be really difficult figuring out where the boundaries are. Talking with Aparna, it got me thinking about the entire idea of personal brands, which I find fascinating. Because even if you're not a comedian or a big-time influencer, for a lot of people, it's not enough to be just good at your job anymore. There's this pressure to market yourself online. Anyone from financial planners to real estate agents, even yoga teachers, like for them, it's practically become a job requirement to post pictures of yourself doing difficult poses in beautiful places with hashtags about being one with the world. I wanted to know how we got here to this peak point of commodifying ourselves. I mean, you can argue that branding started thousands of years ago, like maybe literally with the branding of livestock. That's Amanda Hess, critic at large for The New York Times, which I think is a badass title. Anyway, she says to understand personal branding, we should take a look at corporate branding and how, with time, more and more companies have become kind of human-like. Take Wendy's, for example. The fast food chain has always portrayed itself through that pippy, long-stocking-ish girl. In the 70s, she was this wholesome cartoon character dancing around with hamburgers. Essentially, she was the company mascot. But since then, Wendy's evolved. Now brands, thanks to the internet, can act like real people. So there are brand managers who are tweeting from the Wendy's account as just like a generic kind of sassy teenager who is a a little bit slow, but up Mm -hmm. on the memes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) basically. Yeah. And is interacting with customers and with other brands as if they're people too. And so social media, I think, has really shifted and intensified that relationship to a brand as a kind of proxy human. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm, I'm literally pulling up the Wendy's, her the Twitter profile right now, because <laughs> it's so entertaining. What is she, what's she been up to? Let me see. Let me tell you. So she tweeted the other day. Um, so, you know, Popeye's, obviously, everyone knows this now. Right. Uh, Popeye's chicken has a new chicken sandwich. Um, and so she retweeted Popeye's and was like, LOL. Because the Popeyes had a joke on Twitter, and then she responded, and she said, LOL, guess that means the food's as dry as the jokes. Oh, my God. (laughs) This is wild. (laughs) 
What Wendy's is doing, of course, is nothing new. Companies have been humanizing their brands in this way at least since the early 1900s. Just look at the Quaker Oats guy or Betty Crocker. But in the time that companies have become more like people, people have become more like companies. The whole idea of personal branding, you know, carefully crafting the identity we share with the world, is just a few decades old. Back in 1997, Tom Peters, a writer for Fast Company, coined the term. He shamelessly made the case that we need to take a lesson from these big brands. He wrote, quote, we are the CEOs of our own companies, me, Inc. The idea was to start asking yourself the questions corporate brand managers at like Nike or Pepsi would ask themselves, which is, what is it that my product or service does that makes it different? Tom Peters, this writer, told people to articulate it in less than 15 words, to write it down, read it, and repeat it. He was talking about it in this really positive context, this context where workers could brand themselves and by doing so free themselves of corporate drudgery. And I think at the time, that was a really seductive idea. That kind of thinking, you know, of rebelling against corporate life, was in the zeitgeist. You could find it in comic strips through white-collar characters like Dilbert, or in movies like Office Space, which is about a group of disgruntled corporate employees sick of making their bosses loads of money. I don't like my job, and I don't think I'm going to go anymore. I'm thinking now it might be more fun to just get fired. And I've always wondered what that would take. Yeah, we've all been there. Sort of. But in the real world, things didn't actually unfold like that. Instead of us freeing ourselves from companies, they kind of freed themselves of us. Because we're in this economic space where a lot of companies have said, great, divest yourself from us and we will divest ourselves from you and we won't give you careers that last a lifetime anymore or health insurance, you'll be a, co mm -hmm. a contract worker on a limited basis. So in this gig economy, um, there is no stability exactly. or security in a job, and the personal brand becomes even more important because we do act so much more like products now, where we're selling ourselves to various people. We're kind of renting ourselves out. And when we talk about the gig economy, concrete numbers are hard to come by, but Estimates show that about a quarter of U.S. workers do some kind of temporary or contract work. And more and more, we're seeing people take it on as a second job. So basically, because our jobs seem so tenuous these days, it's meant that building an online presence and putting ourselves out there isn't so much about freedom as it is just an act of survival. And often that means our identities or personal experiences become part of our brand. Sometimes in ways we don't exactly like. It's something Amanda's experienced firsthand. That's after the break. So there are some new kids on the podcast block. Nodge Turner and Mark Nguyen, the 23-year-old co-hosts of Adult-ish, a culture and advice show by and for young and young at heart listeners. Merck and Naj figure out their adult issues with guests like sexologist Shan Boudram, comedian W. Kamau Bell, and Disney's Peyton Elizabeth Lee. They also bring on friends to chat about topics like finding a therapist for the first time, 
to male birth control. Adult-ish is produced by YR Media and is part of PRX's Radiotopia. You can check it out at adultishpodcast.com. Back in 2014, Amanda Hess was trying to make a name for herself as a writer. This is a very peak personal branding time for me because I was a freelance writer, so I was constantly waking up and being like, how can I sell myself to someone who will Mm. give me money to write something? She just published this deeply reported story for Pacific Standard that took months. I wrote this story um, that was about the online harassment of women. It was called Why Women Aren't Welcome on the Internet. And so for this story, she decided to write about her own experiences receiving rape and death threats online. So a lot of people read the article, which was great. Um, And I got a lot of media attention from it. And I went on a bunch of cable news shows. Which was this awesome opportunity to promote her work and herself as a writer. But then the interviews started taking an unexpected turn. And what I found was, over and over again, they were interested in me recounting, like, the traumatic details Mm -hmm. of the harassment and stalking. And they were less interested in, like, the other 7,000 words of my story where I was investigating and analyzing this problem. Mm -hmm. And so... It seemed to me that, like, that my personal brand had been changed without my consent into one of victimhood Mm. as opposed to um, professional writing. Mm -hmm. And how did it make you feel about covering, you know, those kinds of issues about women and harassment? I think it really encouraged me to not want to write consistently for and about women anymore Mm. for a while Um, because I just felt like my personal identity as either, if you want to say, like a a victim or as a woman was being fused to my professional identity in a way that I was really uncomfortable with. Mm. And I wanted some kind of separation Mm. between those things. So while Aparna Nancherla, the comedian, is figuring out how much of her brand should include a difficult part of her identity, Amanda had to figure out how to write about the things she cares about without having her experiences as a woman define her career. And after going through all this, I wanted to know what personal brand actually meant to her. It's a way of seeing yourself as a commodity Mm. and to view yourself in a way that's situated toward what other people might want to buy mm-hmm. as opposed to how you want to live your life. <laughs> the problem isn't creating a, a persona for ourselves. It's that that persona needs to be consistent with some kind of market value right? that I think is unfortunate. And that's why we often see a lot of things today that I think are 
pretty gross. You know, people trying to capture and share really intimate moments to build their clout and make more money. Like this one Instagram influencer, she got a lot of hate recently after she claimed that she was in a motorcycle accident and then posted pictures of it that were carefully taken and suspiciously beautiful. Or there was that influencer who went on a six-day scavenger hunt that ended in a quote-unquote surprise wedding, but appears to have been a planned marketing stunt. Those are extreme examples, of course, but the rise of social media has made personal branding inescapable, even if you aren't trying to become mega-famous. There's a kind of fear (laughs) that Mm. people have, which is like, I feel like I should do this, and so I just will. I feel that way. Hmm. I feel like if I don't post enough on social media, like I'll just kind of cease to exist. Hmm. And I feel that way even though I have, you know, a stable, traditional job. And the thing is, while we're out here hustling to sell our personal brands, it's the corporations that are winning in the end. Some of these platforms kind of exist as stealthy, like, multi-level marketing programs where they're like, come in and start posting your photos. And once you, you know, use our app all of the time, mm-hmm. then maybe, like, someday you'll get some money back. Like, the money will flow to you. Right. In the meantime, instead we'll collect of information on you. <laughs> right. And we'll get the ad dollars and everything like that. Exactly. So most of the time... Even if we are, you know, desperately branding ourselves to extract our value, we're mostly enriching these big corporations and the people who run them and their shareholders. Basically, a lot of us are walking around like these mini corporations trying to become profitable and all the while just feeding the larger and real ones. And I think our lives are like defined less and less by boundaries. Like everything is just converging into everything else. Yeah. I know. Are, are companies and people converging? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was like, yeah, that's what we've been talking about this entire time. <laughs> I think it's happened. Yeah. All right. I guess now it's time for me to plug everyone's personal brands. So if you want to go down internet wormholes, you can follow Amanda at Amanda Hess on Twitter. Or if you want to enjoy some witty, absurdist jokes, follow Aparna at Aparnapkin. Or if you want to send me any of your juicy money stories, you can hit me up at Rimachres. Or if email is more your thing, reach us at uncomfortable at marketplace.org. This is Uncomfortable is produced by me, Rima Jerez, Haley Hirschman, and Peter Balanon-Rosen. Megan Dietrich is our senior producer. Charlton Thorpe is our technical director. Editing by Sarah Kramer. Tony Wagner is our digital producer. Muna Danish is our intern. Star Nieves is the executive director of On Demand. And Deborah Clark is the senior vice president and general manager of Marketplace. And our theme music is by Wonderly. All right. Catch y'all next week. So according to BuzzFeed, my personal brand is off-influencer. 
Everyone knows that you don't give a fuck. If someone tells you something isn't healthy, you eat it. It isn't cool, too bad, you're wearing it. You go by the feels because the feels never lie. 